Welcome back, <laughs> friends, families, Nissan executives, to Sound Up Seattle, your one-stop shop for all things Washington sports. As always, I'm your co-host, co-host, coast. your co-host, <laughs> coast to coast, baby, John Carey. And I'm the other co-host, Tyler Cartwright. And this podcast is off to a rough start. <laughs> We're coming off a major L in a board game, so yeah. we, our, our, our emotions are a little down. See, we normally play a board game and then do this podcast, but normally one of us wins, and their energy can carry us through the podcast. Exactly. We both lost today, so that's tough. Shout out to Will. Shout out to Will. We'll, we'll give him a little... See you in hell. Uh, he's, he might listen to this and get a little kick out of that one. Um, today, we are going to talk about a few things. First, we're going to discuss the Mariners and kind of their spring training debuts. Ah, spring training. What a beautiful time of the year. It that's how really you know is. spring is around the corner. Especially in Seattle, where it doesn't feel like springs around the corner. When they start hitting baseballs, you know for sure. <laughs> yep, yep. We're going to talk about the pitch clock and kind of how our, our reactions to it. Um, yeah, just going to get going to get going on that one because we have some hot takes. Um, and then we've got some some talk about the Kraken and how we felt. We, well, we watched two of their games between the last podcast and this one. So we have developed more thoughts. We still don't know many of the players' names, but I think that's just kind of how hockey is. <laughs> you don't want to know too many of those players' names. Then you're no longer objective because you care about them, you know? Yeah, we watched a couple of big games. Them against the Bruins and then, again, them against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, yeah, we'll get into our thoughts on that <laughs> at the proper time. Yep, and then we'll get some notes on the Zags over the weekend. Um, we don't want to talk about the Huskies or Cougars about their basketball teams because... <laughs> It's just not that time. You La- know? Last week, and it was such a high note, you know, coming off the, the Oregon sweep. And we'll figure we'll just keep that high note. Yeah, we won't say anything else. Yeah, fail to report on the on the recent events. And then maybe at the end, we'll get into some more kind of around the uh, around the U.S. sports news because there's been some some recent recent uh, uptick in large news events around uh, college sports. I guess that may or may not affect potential Seattle Seahawks draft picks. But... Yep. We'll go ahead and bury that lead. <laughs> Keep you on the hook for a little bit. Yes. So, to get us going... Um, Tyler, help me out. I, I am not a spring training buff. I typically wait <laughs> for the start of the regular season. What has been going on with the Mariners in spring training? Yeah, so the Mariners are currently, I believe, 2-3. and three. We're recording this on Wednesday night, as usual. Um, and they just lost to the Cubs today, 3-5. to five. Um, your, your Cubs, I will call you out on this right now. Well, it feels good. It feels good to be called out. <laughs> I guess after today, they're two and four. Um, what I would say is they've been a little lackluster in their pitching, which is fine because we haven't really been throwing our aces. I think every time I see, you know, most of our starters, when they go in, they go in for two innings and they pitch well. And then, you know, the back end bullpen guys kind of mess it up. <laughs> Are we shocked? No, but. That is how it is. It's spring training. Don't yeah. focus too much on the pitching. Yeah, the offense has been looking pretty good. Um, over the last six games, we've had uh, we scored three runs today, um, and then we've scored nine, one, seven, one, and three. So we're averaging like four runs a game, which is good. That's kind of where you want to be. A little eclectic. Um, but yeah, obviously we're kind of feast or famine, and that was that was the case last year too. Um. Some some notes from the game today that we that I tried to watch but really just followed while I was working. Um, Matt Brash looked awful. He 
through 0.1 innings and gave up five runs on four hits and two walks with one strikeout. Yikes. Yeah, he... 0.1 innings pitched. Yeah. Never a good statistic when you hear that number. He has an ERA of like 33, and I think it's because <laughs> he, he already pitched one inning. Um, so he was not looking good. Uh, yeah, he couldn't get the ball over the strike zone, or over the plate. Um, and that was costly. When you fall behind batters, it's really hard to get ahead, especially in the major leagues, and uh, or get back ahead. And so when you're dealing with that in you know, the third inning when he came in, it was, uh, it was rough from the get go. And he allowed all the runs to the Cubs today. Mm. I do love hyperinflated ERA statistics. Oh, it's I always it. so fun when he was like, Oh yeah, he gave up like a, you know, 100 ERA over his last <laughs> 0.3 innings pitched or whatever. You can get some pretty wacky stuff out there. Yeah. Those guys that have like infinite ERAs because they let up, <laughs> they let up two runs and don't get an out. Yeah. The first start of the season. <laughs> I, there is somebody in the history of the MLB who was like a, a really low-end pitcher but had to get called up for one reason or another, came into a game, gave up like four runs, got pulled and never played again, who still has to this day an infinite ERA on the books. <laughs> the, the worst ERAs ever. I wonder what like, you know, how many guys that, that pertains to. Like is there is there 10 guys that have done that or, you know, 25? That'd be pretty I amazing. I wonder how many there are. I wonder how MLB reference stops that <laughs> from bricking its system. <laughs> It's a great question. I think they just get rid of those guys entirely. <laughs> Best to forget. <laughs> like they didn't exist in the first place. Um, but yeah, uh, some other notes, some 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 good notes about spring training. Uh, Jared Kelnick has three home runs, and I believe he's played four games. Um, so that's you know, if he's hitting three home runs every every four games, that's a that's a nice <laughs> hundred and twenty home runs over the course of the season. And you can count on that. Like that's a stat we are. Yeah, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Jared Kelnick for MVP this year, guys. <laughs> for, for mega MVP. They're going to give him the next two. Uh, that's cool, though. Nice start for him. Um, yeah, spring training. I always feel like, you know, on one hand, you're like, okay, what can we see and how it'll pertain to the upcoming season? And what you do is you always take the positives and you disregard the negatives. You yeah. always say, yeah. oh, You that's can overreact a... every time. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, that's a positive development. He's getting better. And then if somebody's worse, it's like, oh, it's spring training. Relax. <laughs> it's like Matt Brash. We're like, oh, that happened. We're going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the real glorious spring training. It really lets you look at baseball through rose-colored glasses. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I will say, looking at Jared Kelnick's approach and kind of hearing about his approach when he spoke after his two-home run game, um, it sounds like he was just like, looking for the right pitches and kind of seeking and trying to get ahead in the count. You know, if they're throwing strikes, he's trying to stay on it. But if they're, if they're close, he's going to let those go. Cause he's not trying to hit a ball that he's not going to be able to do anything with kind of what the typical Mariners approach has been, which is like, don't swing at a pitch you can't hit. Also known as the anti Javier Baez. <laughs> that man had a very different approach to, yes. <laughs> to, to add back. Could not hit a slider to save his life. But never saw a slider. <laughs> he wasn't a hundred percent sure that he was gonna. <laughs> what an interesting man he was, yes. and is He's still alive, still going. Javier Baez is still with us, <laughs> not playing play for the Tigers now. Um, so dead in a way. <laughs> yeah, they will not. He will not get a lot of uh, screen time this year. Um, Julio has a hit a home run. He and Jared went back to back today. Nice. Uh, Teoscar and Ty, I believe, went back to back yesterday. And Teoscar's home run was 112 miles per hour off the bat, just a shot to center field. Nice. That was impressive. Um, How many did he hit last year? Teoscar? Yeah. I think he's like, you could expect him to hit 25. I don't know exactly how many he hit mm. last year because he was injured for some part of the season. 
Um, but 25 is a good number to expect from him. Kind of similar to Julio Power, is what I would say. Um, another note, Evan White had a nice at-bat, hit a home run. Um, and I was actually watching that one when I was working from home on the on the, the interwebs that are not... Working from home. Yeah, working. Fire this one. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Evan White looked like he had a good at-bat. He looks great at first base. I... If I could watch Evan White just play first base for every hour of my life for the rest of time, I think I might do it. Yeah? He he looks just like a golden pegasus. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just riding, the, riding the high into the sky. Just You should give up podcasting and start writing poetry. <laughs> I think that might be my next calling. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, he... Oh, his, his defensive capabilities, if he could hit average in the MLB... He'd be a plus. He'd player. be a plus player. His his defensive rating could he could be the best defensive first baseman that the Mariners have ever had, and it wouldn't be close. You are you are throwing out some some hot hot takes. No, I'm not. He's that, he's that talented. Everybody knows that he's that talented on defense. Okay, but what I don't understand is people that are that coordinated on defense typically can swing a bat. <laughs> like what's the all the I feel like the, all the best defensive players always have some sort of at bat skill. You know. I mean, imagine Rudy Gobert plays baseball like <laughs> I, yeah. he's got the defensive capabilities but uh, that's no an, offense that's an interesting analogy but i will receive it <laughs> no he's uh he was injured the last two years he heard he had like a back and hip issue and he's still um, pretty young and he's really young he, he's he was rehabbing all of last year um so he's getting he's getting back up to speed and kind of getting getting to Getting to the point where he could maybe come back, but Ty France has pretty much solidified his role in the, you know. Yes, they're e- not they're not bumping Ty France. Yes, Evan White. The only re- the only way he starts at like post spring training, he comes up with the team is if Ty France gets injured. To be honest, and yeah. probably not even if Ty France gets injured. He just Evan White needs to like some time to marinate in AAA again because he was he's France couldn't move to like third or something. No, have you seen that man run and try and? That play is, defense that's that not true. first base that is, that is true <laughs> best, best to have him somewhere safe yes we also Gino plays a great great defensive third base um, so don't want to move him off but I think Ty has considered playing third base like to give Gino a day off mm. um, so maybe we'll see some of that in the future of this season if Evan White decides he can uh, can hit a baseball and if Ty France has decided to work on his cardio over the offseason <laughs> yes um, any more notes on that I feel like that was just kind of a quick recap we, we just a light discussion for a few minutes not particularly i just i'm always so pleasantly surprised when spring training rolls around you know it's always like two or three weeks after the super bowl and you're not really thinking about baseball yet and then it's like oh spring training starting up and you know it's worthless like yeah. <laughs> in terms of like analyzing a team's potential completely pointless to talk about really but always just like it's like that first leaf coming up out of the ground you know it's like oh baseball's right around the corner it's a nice way to get warmed up for the season so very exciting definitely, it's nice to definitely nice to actually be able to talk about players making plays and not just you know how excited we are for the season yep yep um staying in the in the spring training topic uh but moving to general baseball have you how have you felt about the rule changes we've got the uh, bigger bases yes we've got uh the pitch clock adjustment which has obviously been the big topic of discussion yes um and a few other things, but mainly the pitch clock, the bigger bases. How have you felt about the pacing of the game? Okay, so I feel like the reception of the rule changes from this general sports media has been almost universally positive. 
Really? Everything I have heard has been about how the bigger bases will encourage stealing, which will be good for the game in terms of entertainment, and that the pitch clock... I listened to PTI over the weekend, and they were saying that in the games that had been played, the average game length had decreased by like 30 minutes because of the pitch clock pitch clock introductions and just like what a big deal that is for a sport that's hemorrhaging viewers because the games are three and a half hours long um so you know that's what that's what the general vibe has the buzz has been and i would largely agree with it big fan of the pitch clock we don't need these super long pitches and but okay so there's that i'm actually against the larger bases really which is you know i just don't get what it's for it seems like the pitch clock is addressing a problem and it's good okay that's a problem let's address it let's improve the game i i don't know who was sitting in a board meeting and was like bigger bases that's what will improve the game of baseball maybe we'll get like 25 more steals a season or something because of these big bases (laughs) just like you know it's not really that goofy but it who's it for so a lot of people talk about the the benefits of the bigger bases in terms of stealing um and to be honest i i kind of agree with your take it doesn't really help the stealing factor that much it, it encourages stealing a little bit more but i don't think it'll adjust the the, the success rate no the stolen base amount what it's going to be is just a lot more guys are going to get thrown out yeah because they're like oh it's now- going to be more action but like exactly same outcomes are going to happen it's going it what it is is it'll bring up the number of things but it won't it, like change the average you know caught stealing or stolen bases like those numbers will stay the same in terms of the average it'll just elevate both of them yes. but what do we also know stealing is pretty inefficient it's not actually the best way to score runs so we will probably see if we're getting more outs from steals shorter games which is good we'll probably also see less runs scored because guys are trying to go from first to second and getting caught out every time because the defense is expecting it and you know maybe that's a dinger you know and we're getting less runs which is also something baseball desperately does not want <laughs> well i think one of the things that to stay on to stay Which on the is base why topic juiced aaron, aaron <laughs> judges pitches all last year sorry sorry please <laughs> Continue. to stay on the uh the bases i have i have a thought about the the stealing and kind of how that could impact the game but to stay on the bases i think the bases are were increased in size mainly to create a safer safer space for first baseman and like less less just collisions contact, between lower between leg contact. players and um, you know people sliding into each other at second base. Um, yeah, I, th- I think of it more at second than at first, typically. Cause my my thought, I just have this vivid image in my head of Ty France against the Oakland Athletics jumping for a ball, and he just like his arm just like was right in front of a guy that was running right by him, and it just got like snapped backwards, mm. and he had to miss like ten games. I um, I just have a thousand mental images of somebody catching a cleat straight to the front of their <laughs> shin. And collapsing like a sack of potatoes in second, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think I, that, that sounds reasonable. Yeah. You're, you're right. There will probably be less of that with the larger bases. People will be able to get more out of the baseline while staying in contact with the base. So, what it'll also allow is more inaccurate throws to be caught, because it'll allow first, second, and third baseman more leeway, keeping their foot on a bag and also getting a ball. I think the real thing is they're going to allow shorter players to play first base because they have the same range as it was <laughs> as it was before as it was before. Anybody can be Anthony Rizzo <laughs> if the base is big enough. Um, they should just no, replace but... all of them with trampolines, just three little trampolines. Yeah. <laughs> <out there. laughs> 
<laughs> we can have anybody. Children can play first base. It's true athletes. <laughs> um, no, but I think I I like the base in, enlarging. I don't know base size increase. Enlarging. <laughs> um, Grandizing. I do think with the the absence of the shift, there will be more singles, and I think the the base sizes will lead to more. Uh, just just more action, you know, more singles in the game mean more stealing. Just leads to more more productive game time, you yes. know. Um and but I do agree with you, it won't change the the number of runs scored or anything like that. I think a lot of the runs scored last year were like, you know, home runs and a guy was on second base. Correct. Um so I don't think those numbers will change. People are gonna hit the same amount of doubles, same amount of triples, maybe a few more singles. The shift ban isn't gonna change the number of singles that anybody hits. Yes. Um and with that, it'll just be, you know, a little bit more action from first to second. The second baseman's going to have a little bit more of a role this year. <laughs> Which is fantastic. I And, you know, here I am saying I don't like the, the base rule. But I will say, baseball was a game invented at a time when people would drink malt liquor in the afternoons because <laughs> they needed something to do. They would roll hoops down the street and chase them with a stick. Um, so people had a high tolerance for slow-paced games and it's and we all love baseball we love baseball here yeah i am very encouraged that manfred is open to change some of the change i may not be my favorite but <laughs> at least he's changing things and i think that is a very encouraging sign because baseball was really going one direction and if they want to revive it in the states uh they have to start implementing changes like these and more changes. These are not going to be the last changes we see if baseball is going to start regaining some level of ground compared to football and basketball. So it's encouraging that they're doing something. Yes. Yep. Um, moving to the pitch clock. Uh, there's been a lot of Twitter discourse about those. I'm not know, on Twitter. So I know. That's I know. where all the haters yeah, are. Yeah, that's where all the haters are. I'm here to provide the <laughs> hater content. Um <laughs> I listen to educated adults. He's on Twitter, so we've got the two sides of the coin. No, so I don't know if you saw, but recently a game ended. I think it ended in a tie, but it was like a tie game, bases loaded. I think I think they lost. They might have lost, but yeah, yeah. bases were loaded with two outs and a three-two count. I think it was the Indians, and the batter didn't get in the batter's box in time, and he got called out. Correct. Um, and so Which shit is like that weird... sucks. And it's a weird rule too, because with the pitch clock in place. The batters have to enter with eight seconds or more left on the pitch clock. So it's like eight seconds less than the pitch clock is like the batter's clock. Yeah, which um, I think is kind really of a fast. tough rule to remember, honestly. It's tough to remember, and it's tough because you think like batters are used to like stepping out of the box and analyzing and trying to predict what the pitcher's going to throw. Yeah, I think they have to come in with the like a set. It's kind of reminds me of like the show Bandersnatch. Where you have like, okay, if this happens on the first pitch, these things are going to happen. And you got to come in with that mentality instead of adjusting based on what happens. You have to be in ready for the next time. move. Yeah. Thinking a couple moves ahead, that chess player's mentality. Yeah. Um, for sure. It honestly, so I played tennis in high school, and you're allowed between serves, you're allowed like a full 10 seconds if you want them before it becomes basically like, hey, you need to get back in and play. Yeah. But. Our coaches always drilled into us, take the 10 seconds. Even if you feel okay, if you've lost the point, take the 10 seconds, take a couple deep breaths, think about what you're going to do. And 
I can't imagine if, you know, coming into my senior year, they'd been like, oh, by the way, now it's like four seconds. You know, do your thing. <laughs> it would have thrown me off. And there are going to be guys that get thrown off. I'm sure about that because they have their routines. These guys are baseball players. are some of the most routine-based people. You'll see them adjust their gloves between every single pitch. These guys have their routines every single time. And it's going to mess with people. There's no doubt. Yeah, I, I do appreciate that most of the pitchers and hitters came in with what looked like a lot of practice. It's you know it's not happening nearly as often as I thought it would. Mm. I also think having the timer put directly in front of the pitcher is a nice little like oh yeah go <laughs> yeah yeah um, there, there can be no confusion <laughs> yeah um, the the pace of the game is interesting. I I will say I was watching a game and then I had to like step on a call for work <laughs> and uh, God I hate that after that call. Uh, <laughs> Let's hope your God, boss oh yeah, is hopefully not my boss is not to listening to this. Um, but after after that call, I got off and it was like four innings later, and I was like, "What the what the heck happened? Like, what where did my game go? Yeah. You know, all you know, the fact that it's spring training meant I missed you know the rest of Julio's at bats, oh. the rest of Evan White, Jared Kelnick's at bats. So I was like, I was a little upset in the sense of it went a little quickly for my taste <laughs> because oh, you are such an old man. Listen, listen. It has made the act of watching a game more important because it's going to fly by. You're going to miss the things that are important. Yes. Like a Shohei Otani at bat is going to be maybe half as long, if not a quarter as long as it usually is. Yes. And so it's just going to like speed up everything. And that's good when you're getting rid of the like in-between pitches. But it also means you don't get to like really think about, like, oh, what's Shohei Otani going to do with a runner on second and third and one out Yes. in the top of the third? Another thing interesting along those lines is that I think the way that you and I ingest baseball is very different from how we ingest other sports where, you know, 162 game regular season, I'm not necessarily sitting down for all these games and staring at the screen until the game is over. What I'll do is I'll put a game on in the background and I'll work. I'll put a game on in the background and I'll, you know, play cards with friends, you know, like I'd like having the game on, but I'm not necessarily super actively following it um and i kind of love that about baseball you can't really do that with basketball you're gonna miss everything baseball is a great game for peeking up watching a couple at bats looking back down this will diminish that aspect of baseball which obviously manfred's like shut the fuck up dude we don't we don't want you looking up and then glancing back down that doesn't do anything for us so it does great for their ratings as long as you have the game on the tv (laughs) i suppose (laughs) yeah advertisers don't know i'm not staring at the screen but uh that is an interesting change that i think i will miss to some degree the slowness of baseball Uh, yeah but going the going the other way it will make baseball just more exciting to like tune into and be like okay the big game it's will going be more exciting, it's for sure yeah like you just you're gonna watch the entire thing like i remember when we watched the uh the world series when the, it was like the nationals against the uh astros when, yes. we, when we first moved down to corvallis yeah and we watched that and we were there for like four hours <laughs> yeah yeah and it was it was fun but it was like it's a long grueling process of watching a full baseball game and being attentive to it it is a long process it's gonna make it a lot easier it's gonna be nice for going to baseball games too because Normally, you go to a Mariners game. And it you takes have, your day. It takes your day, but also, you know, you have four beers through the first, like, <laughs> six innings, and then by the time the ninth inning ends, you're already, like, hungover, and you just <laughs> want to go to sleep. This way, the game will end just as you're peaking, 
and then you can take the subway you home. Ride, and... ride the night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ride the night. That's right. So that'll be good too. I will say it's going to get rid of the uh, the nine 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 challenge. Have you heard of that one? Nine is that nine beers in nine innings? Nine beers, nine hot dogs in nine innings. Oh, there's nine no way that's dogs? possible anymore. I tried that last year. I got to like seven and six. So that's damn impressive. I could I could do nine beers. I couldn't do nine hot dogs. Yeah, that would, the hot dogs were rough. I had to go without the buns at the end. Of that <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Technically, that's cheating. But um, anyways, uh, any more thoughts about the pitch clock? I feel like we could actually talk a little bit more about it. But uh, it, it's been it's been twenty five minutes of baseball. I was gonna content. say I'm I'm surprised how much baseball content we've gotten, which is good because I think that's kind of the big story. Yeah, I th- I think by the by next week we'll have more thoughts and just more yeah. more things to talk about. Yeah, pitch clock in general, batters suck it up. Like we don't want to watch you step in and out of the box four times as you try to guess, guess and swing, man. That's what the game is. So. Yeah, I have some ideas on like how to adjust the pitch clock to make it just a little bit better mm. in terms of the feel, but maybe we'll talk about that next week. We'll see. Um, but for now, an ad break from our non-sponsors. <laughs> our non-sponsors. Um, we will join you in a bit. This episode is brought to you by Trader Joe's. When you want half as many Oreos, but four times the plastic, and also want to feel like you're better than everybody, go to Trader Joe's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Cooking Trader Joe's. <laughs> what did Trader Joe ever do to you? Welcome back to Sound Up Seattle. And we are so sorry if you enjoy Trader Joe's. I don't know where that came from. I love Trader Joe's. Listen, you know exactly where that came from. You can find him at Ty Cart. <laughs> Leave me out of it. Um, all right. Next up, we are going to talk about the Kraken. And yes. Our recent thoughts after watching a couple games. They did win yesterday, and I was not able to watch that game. Neither of us um, were. But I think they beat St. Louis, I think it was. The Blues are not very good, if my memory is serving me correctly. Yes. Um, but yeah, so we watched the Bruins game last Thursday. Which was er, a good game. Yeah, it was, oh my god, it was actually a really good game. I was sitting in my room by myself, we didn't watch this together, but I was sitting in my room by myself, and I was like clapping to myself, like, let's go guys, like really just in the in the groove of the game. Um, and I, I was, I, I, that was probably my most enjoyable hockey game that I've ever watched. Yeah. Yeah, it was high scoring. I think we lost six five. Is yes, that correct? Yes, we we, God, we had a goal. We had a goal to take the lead at five to four with like six minutes left, mm. and then the the Bruins scored two goals. One like a minute after we scored that one, and then one with a minute and a half left in the game. So it was disheartening, but it was a very exciting end of the game. Yes, and then so yeah, that was a six five loss, and then we followed that up with a five to one loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Which was, we did, we sat down and watched that one together. <laughs> we and, watched about two-thirds of that one. <laughs> yeah, and that, it was two-thirds too much, if you ask me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, Bruins game was encouraging. You know, obviously Bruins are the best team in hockey, so the fact that we hung with them coming out of that game, I felt encouraged. But there were some red flags. You know, Bruins are really good, but you never want to give up six goals. Um following that up with surrendering five goals to the Maple Leafs, and then even today, or yesterday, three goals to the Blues, uh, our defense and goalkeeping, we seem to keep bringing it up, and I think there's a reason that we seem to keep bringing it up. I think that is the problem 
on this team. Yeah. We scored five against the Bruins and lost. We scored one against Toronto and lost. We scored five today against the Blues. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry if you can hear my roommate doing the dishes in the background. <laughs> We're just sitting here looking at each other laughing because... Very professional. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so our offense has been on and off. Yes. We, over the course of three games, including two losses, we scored 11 goals. That's not bad. Average, we looked this up while we were watching yeah. the Toronto game. The average goals per game is a tiny bit above three. Yeah, it's, it's like 3.14, I believe. Yes. And so over these past three games, against some high-level competition, I also looked it up. The Blues are, like, right at 500. So okay. they're a good average team. But we're scoring, like, three... What would that be? No. So in the last... It, over the course of the season, we're scoring about average. Yes. In the last 17 games, we looked this up, we're scoring like 2.75 goals per game. Which is not great. Which is really bad. Yeah. But the last three games, we've, we've been above average. But our defense has been hemorrhaging goals. Yeah. They, they, they've been... The Kraken have been allowing, I believe it was 3.4, 3.48 goals per yeah. game over, we, the, over the last 17. Yeah. And we've been scoring like 2.75, which... So not a, not a combination last... that... Uh, will allow us to win a lot of games. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I guess, strictly speaking to the games that I've seen, I know our offense has struggled in general, but I've been more discouraged with the defense and our inability to hold teams to one or two goal games. Um, and, yeah, I our record's still solid. I'm, I'm just getting a little less optimistic on this I team. Mean, yeah, we looked it up. We're in the number eight spot in the in the playoff ranking so the the last seed in playoff yes the um, last wild card and the yeah so the way the playoffs work just just for those of you who don't know like us before <laughs> yeah i was gonna say <laughs> for the viewers as uneducated as ourselves <laughs> um it is so each conference brings in uh the top three top, seeds so there's each conference brings in eight teams and there's two divisions within each conference and each division brings in their top three seeds and then the top two records outside of or in the conference outside of those top three spots go to yes. the wild card total of eight so the kraken are in the eight spot and they were i think four points ahead of the number nine spot so they had at least one game to lose and they won yesterday so all in all they're still in a good spot uh, yeah we could go on a run i i would be surprised if we fell out of the playoff that would be very discouraging yes but i just there was a there was a moment in time where it's like hey can this team win a round can it win a couple rounds at this moment, I'm not so sure that we can advance. Yeah, I was looking, watching those games the other day was kind of eye-opening in the sense of like, it kind of reminds me of like a basketball team that is a little too erratic on defense such that they kind of like chase the ball once it gets ahead of them. And so you have a, you know, a guy who in, in basketball would make an extra pass to the open man. In hockey, it's like they'll shoot it. And then everybody will kind of be like chasing the guy that shot it mm. and kind of chasing the puck around. And the second chance points have been kind of crazy every game that we've watched. Yes. Um, and also just, and this goes into, you know, offense and defense feed into each other like in any sport. Yeah. And I feel like our offense in so many t cases is just hitting its head against a brick wall where it's I, spe specifically about the Toronto game. There were just so many times we were just, we were moving the puck really well around the perimeter and then we would just take these tough shots we couldn't really get any like penetration into into i don't know what you'd call the inner zone um and then into that the would, slot that's what it's called the, the, the place slot. right above the and right in front would, of the goal yeah. that would lead to a fast break i'm sure that's not <laughs> what i'm so sorry hockey fans 
it would lead to essentially a fast break for the Maple Leafs, and then they would score immediately, just tic tac toe into yeah. the net. And it's like, oh well, that looked easy. Yeah. What it what it does is it reminds me a lot of soccer on like a penalty kick or mm-hmm. like a corner kick when when you have a team that's shooting and you know everybody's gathered around the goal. And then it kind of like ricochets out towards where the defending team can run out and score with the ball. Um, and so that's kind of what we were seeing a decent amount of too. Uh, the other thing is we were watching the, uh, the broadcast on route and the commentators were talking about how the Kraken like kind of, you know, did everything right during their, their power play opportunities. Yes, except scoring. Except scoring. And we were like, isn't that the entire point of it? Yeah. Like, oh, that puck <laughs> movement is beautiful. You can't ask for more than that. It's like, we just went two power plays without scoring. You can ask for more than that. <laughs> you can ask for some results. Yeah. Uh, I will say the, the Leafs in, the, in that game, they came into the game with 17 straight penalties killed, which means they didn't allow a goal. Um, and they left with, I think, 19 straight penalties killed. Yeah, that's impressive. So that's they've, a, been, that's they've been doing really well. I think we looked it up, and on average, 20% of power plays result in a goal. And so to kill 19 straight is a very, is a very good task. That's a statistical anomaly. You, they should really just score the first goal of the game and then just get into their power play defense. and <laughs> They'd have, be fine, yeah. Have one cherry picker down on the other side of the ice <laughs> and just see if they can wait it out. Um. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, kind of a discouraging week for the Kraken. I'm, you know, I'm up and down. I'm sure I'll be back in on them in a in a week or two. But at this moment, I think I'm feeling more down than up. I'm in the I'm in the valley. Let's get another temperature check because last time we talked about this, we were at a seven. Um, how do you uh, feel? Are you, are, are you down? Are you up? Are you kind of at the same point? How do I feel about the Kraken? Just like in general? Yeah, we'll say you know they they their chances of making the playoffs have stayed relatively about the same yeah so we're gonna say how how have your just your feelings about the kraken changed okay i think my feelings for the kraken right now are like a five really okay and i guess you know that is very vague but how about this what you know on a scale of one to ten how confident am i that they are going to win the first round of the playoff they play in and i am like two a three <laughs> i might be a three which you know it's not nothing but yeah i would if i had I, to if bet i, had money, I would bet I would against, against them, them. Yeah. exactly yeah and as all the viewers know you should always bet how i do because i'm right all what the time. we're really doing is jinxing it so that they win the first <laughs> round of the playoffs i'm a sacrificial man <laughs> um no i'm about the same point the one thing that i will say is they played two of the the best teams in the nhl um and they played. They played the Bruins extremely well. They had the lead with five minutes left. Mm. Um, the Leafs. I think what we saw was just they had a really good. I would call it transition um, offense. I guess like their their transitions from defense to offense because I guess it all kind of flows a little bit better than I would say basketball does. Yes. But that transition offense and their second chance points were really a little scary for me. Um, it made me think that the Kraken are not. Not as coordinated on defense as we probably thought they were at the beginning of the season, or kind yes. of halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the win against the Blues is nice, but we we our flaws have been a little bit more or less exposed recently, and so for that reason, I would say I'm probably similar to you, maybe a five, maybe maybe a five and a half or like to six, but you know, I'm not. It's not looking great for them to win a win a playoff round at the moment, especially if they have to play the number one seed. Yeah, yeah, uh, that is a very good point. Who would be the number one seed? Not the Bruins. No, because they're, they're in the East. conference. Yeah. Um, 
Let me let me look. You talk for thirty five seconds. So <laughs> the, the thing about washing machines is how do you even know what's going on in there, you know? What happened do, do you want to run your, your fake ad that you thought of? <laughs> what happened to the old washing machines that that uh, that had the clear window to let you look inside the clothes being cleaned? There's no no mystery anymore. I don't know. The Kraken would play Dallas. <laughs> uh, oh, right, hockey, right. The Dal- Dallas Stars, is that right? Yes, I believe so. Okay, what if are they? They're they 32, 16, and I believe 13 ties, which is wow. kind of crazy. The Kraken are only five points down. From them. From them. I, it seems, I was going to say, I didn't think Dallas was a monster, but I guess they're probably a really good defensive team if they have 13 yeah, they ties. Have 13 ties, yeah. They have, oh, yeah, a lot less losses. They have Their 16 losses is the fewest besides, oh, I guess... God, the Eastern Conference is just destroying. Yeah. The Eastern Conference has four teams with less losses, or 16 or less losses. <sighs> um, so not looking good for the Stanley Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, good for the Kraken to maybe win a round or two. Maybe I'm up to a four. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I think the difference between the one to eight seed in the West is uh, is a little, little more confined, which does make me feel better. Much like the West basketball. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, any more final thoughts before we before we move on from the Kraken? Uh, no. Go Squids. I'm, I hope they perform better this week so that come next week I can be more chipper. Yeah, I, I would agree as well. Um, you know, you bring in this next topic. Oh, finally. You guys are about to really feel my energy increase now that I can talk about something positive going on. Um, Drum roll, please. The Gonzaga Bulldogs defeated the St. Mary Gales. St. Mary's Gales, yes. That was good. It you felt, did really well there, buddy. That was <laughs> wrong coming out of my mouth as I said it. Because you said defeated, right? St. Marie Gales? <laughs> um, I don't remember the exact score of the game, but it was a solid smacking. Yeah, they St. won by 12 or whatever. Yeah, St. Mary's played well. They hung around. Logan, uh, Logan Thomas? Logan Lerman, the actor? No, uh, he's the guard on St. Mary's with yeah. curly hair. I yep. think his name is Logan Thomas. Thompson, maybe? Mm. But anyway, either way. he had a great game. He scored like 29, but we just kept him in check all game. Played solid defense. Ben Gregg was really good. No surprise. Um, <laughs> and we just worked through him. I, I, it was the kind of game that made it even more discouraging that we lost to them the first time. Because um, we're better than St. Mary's. What did I, what did I tell you guys last week? We're better than this team. I hope none of you watched because it would have been a waste of time. You could have just put money on the Zags and walked away. <laughs> um, and it was great. It was for a partial a shared regular season championship with St. Mary's. Uh, I don't know how that works in terms of seeding for the WCC tournament. I should actually probably do some research on that. Yeah. Uh, tournament starts on Tuesday. It'd probably be point differential because they you know, beat, beat each other one time, each lost to the same team, which, had, which will have the same record. That is so fascinating. Yeah. That's right. They both have two losses in WCC play. <laughs> one to each other and the other to the same damn team. <laughs> it sounds like the other team both should be home. the winner. It sounds like Loyola Marymount should yeah. be the WCC we champion. Give it to <laughs> yeah, you know, I'd be okay with that. It's been a while since Loyola got a, a championship, so we'll give it to them. But, yeah, excited for the tournament. Uh, I think now especially, I think this team is peaking at just the right time. I think we're going to roll through the tournament. Um WCC tournament that is uh, and hopefully go into the NCAA tournament with something like a 3 or 4 seed 
which I think this team deserves. There's a chance that if other teams keep losing, we could climb into a two seed. Um, certainly not a one. That's that's sailed the river, I'm afraid. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited about the Zags. I, it's been a very up and down season. Much like the Kraken, there have been times where I was down on this Zag team and their potential to do really anything in the tournament. But they're playing really good basketball right now. And they're deeper than most teams we've had in recent years. They have some real depth to them. They play eight or nine guys, which is something Mark Few does not like to do. He has always had a famously short rotation. Um, And I'm just really enjoying watching them play. I think one of the things that... We noted while watching the game over the weekend was that Drew Timmy was out, I think, at the end of the game, right? Yeah, they um, pulled him at a couple points to play a little more defense. And it's kind of like exactly what you said. It was put him in in spurts, let him get his let him get his points, Yeah, but don't let him fault your defense. Yeah. Um, they also weren't letting Samaris intentionally foul because Timmy is not a great free throw shooter. Yeah. So I think all in all, they're kind of learning that running everything through Timmy is not the way to go, as we said four weeks ago. Indeed. A um, lesson hard learned last year. And, yeah, they're playing just more, I think... Team basketball. Yeah, more precise. Just more like, hey, make the right play every yeah. single game, every single possession. Kind of, you know, like what the Warriors tried, tried to do for, yeah. for that long stretch. Turnovers have been down. Strother has been stepping up in his offensive workload. Our guards have been playing better. Uh, Hickman... Uh, Noel Hickman has had a very up-and-down season. Um, but he's been better. Hunter Salas has been really good defensively. Malachi Smith is finally starting to do something. I was so excited when he transferred, and he's been a bit of a nothing this year. But he's finally starting to to get some productivity off the bench going. Rasier's been solid. Rasier's been really good. So love, yeah. the, love these Zags. Go Zags. We... Uh... Looking for them to make a run in the tournament. This could, this could oddly enough, be the year. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If this year's team won it all, I would. There would be a lot of irony in that because this is the team I've been less confident in in a lot of years. But I would love another Sweet Sixteen, and I do think they are capable. They're definitely yeah. of making it to another Sweet Sixteen, maybe an Elite Eight. If they made it to the Final Four, I would. My eyes would be big. But hey, <laughs> prove me wrong. God, I love being wrong. <laughs> um. We said it earlier. We're not going to talk about UW and Wazoo. Uh, they had they didn't really play very well this weekend. Yeah, we don't need to focus on that. Moving on, those teams exist. Um, anyways, uh, we had one more topic that we might have talked about, but it's been fifty five minutes. Yeah, fifty five so, long minutes. You know, Get maybe, me out of maybe here. we'll have cut the last ten minutes out, but if not, I hope you enjoyed. Um, yeah, let me let me hit the outro. You have any more final thoughts before we go? Free me. <laughs> Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast of Sound Up Seattle, please feel free to follow on Spotify. You can find Sound Up Seattle on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram at Sound Up Seattle, all lowercase, no spaces or anything like that. Um, me, Tyler, can be reached at uh, Tycar50 basically everywhere. Uh, John, again, you know, he's 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 unavailable. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, I've never you can't been... come after this man. <laughs> I've never been so glad. Uh, but... Please feel free to drop a like um, and email email us. We have soundupseattle at gmail.com um, or shoot us a DM on Twitter. We currently have never received a DM, so be our first DM. Yeah, come on, guys. Slide into those DMs. John has, uh, right before we started recording, he's officially proclaimed that 
we he will make the uh, the art for the podcast. So that I'm holding him to that. Next week we should have artwork. Agreed. <laughs> You're agreeing we should have artwork. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely should. It's a damn tragedy we don't already. <laughs> Frankly, I'm sick of it. Um. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a good good Thursday and a good rest of your week. And um, as always, go squids, baby. Go squids.